This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 61 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have two times world's greatest horseman winner, Ron Rawls. He's the NRCHA Hall of Fame trainer, Ron Rawls, plus trainers from Germany and Finland, and they provide some great groundwork tips. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Girls Day, how are you? Hello, hello, hello. Sorry, I, I keep flubbing you up and setting you off your timing because I'm staring at the little green lights going up and down on my mixer. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm currently obsessed with my mixer. You have, a, you have a fun little mixer going on there? Well, I wouldn't call it fun, but I do have a little mixer going on here, and uh, Microsoft found it found it needed to do updates on computers this Ooh. week. No. Yeah, Don't. and whenever it does that, it tends to make my my settings on my computer unhappy. Is it- I'll have to talk to Bill Gates about that, shall yeah, we? we need to talk yes. to Bill Gates. I want to talk to him anyway because his daughter's a writer. That's right. And we gotta I, get him I want to get her on our Radiothon this fall. Oh, yeah, that'd be great, Jen. I would love to hear from those people who have more money than they know what to do with horses. No, I'm, I'm sure they have good trainers. It's, it's fun to have celebrities on because it's fun to hear about the, how the other half lives. And what I found interesting last year when we had um, – you had Bob Baffert on and we had mm-hmm. Charlie Daniels on and various yeah. century others. How, how – it was such a common thread. Everybody – Every one of them, which was hilarious, every one of them without fail said they loved hearing the sound of the horse's feet crunching in the snow. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was their Christmas memories and things, too. Yeah, that was really neat. It is a universal thing. Horse lovers everywhere. And, you know, and even film producers, you ever notice that they, the one shot they got to have is all the feet on the ground, blah, 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 yes. everywhere, legs, right? You're right. Absolutely. <laughs> They've got to have that, that up close up shot of the, the feet hitting the ground and the dirt splashing. And I hate to tell you this. It drives dad crazy. He's like, let's see the rest of the horse. What's the horse doing? You know? <laughs> see a bunch of feet <laughs> but it's pretty we understand and the sound you know which again the sound drives him crazy too because he's like horses clopping outside my round pen that just like is disturbing you know because it, it it actually creates a distraction for working in the round pen so there's another tip for you right there <laughs> <laughs> see once once you have been in both the horse industry and the movie industry like your dad has it just ruins movies for him. It does, actually. And for the rest of us watching with but him. The rest of us like, Dad, you can't watch this movie with us. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny that those universal things that horsemen love or drives them crazy. Um, today's topic is kind of a universal thing, too. Ground mm-hmm. manners and fundamentals. You know, that's why I wanted to have uh, both Denise Heinlein and Jenny Allrith on because I feel this ground swelling to get – to the fundamentals and people understanding them, not just, you know, here's an effort you have to go through to get your horse to lead well, but it's, there's reasons for it. And there's not only safety reasons and 
good manners reasons, but there's reasons to have fun with it too. There's, there's activities that you could do. And it's not just the, uh, you know, let's find some things to do to burn up time with your horse today. It's, it's actually has a layering effect with your relationship with your horse, which I think is really the coolest part. Yes. And it's, it's so interesting because the definition of fundamentals has, is starting to shift a little bit. Mm -hmm. I remember it, uh, coming up through the ranks, the fundamentals had the same names. The horse had to lead. The horse had to tie. The mm-hmm. horse has to load. Mm-hmm. But how we gauged our success with those mm-hmm. is really starting to change. Back in the day, if your horse led, but you always mm-hmm. put a chain over his nose, otherwise he was liable to drag you around or <laughs> yank your arm out, that right. was perfectly acceptable. Right. That was still successfully teaching the horse to lead. Yes. And and behave themselves. And nowadays, that same scenario, you're a lot more likely to find horsemen who say, that's not acceptable. We can do better. We can right. do a better job of teaching the human. We can do a better job of teaching the horse. So that is not something that you need to go through in order to keep the two of you from getting hurt. That's right. And in, at so many levels, standing still, loading, tying, those things are all starting to change and, and morph a little bit, I think, mm-hmm. to the betterment of both horses and humans. So mm-hmm. that's cool that the, both of our guests today are going to be able to speak to those things. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy them too. We've had Denise Heinlein on before and everybody loves her um, just really grounded information that she gives us. And, um, you know, I think probably the dividing line here in the old fundamentals versus the new fundamentals is the new fundamentals for us anyway, is no pain. If there's pain involved, you're actually going the opposite way, right? Yeah. You're going the wrong way. I mean, I get compliance, but you don't get partnership. And that's, that's what we're striving for. Speaking of fundamentals, Mm. quick PT scooter update. Yes, please. PT scooter, Glenn's driving pony who was having difficulties loading for those who haven't been following the story. That's right. Um, we got our Monty Dooley halter, okay. and that made a huge difference, okay. uh, improved things rapidly, and we went out and we practiced. I, wa- I watched the videos on the university, and I practiced all those methods, and we were making great progress, but he was still mentally very, very worried. Okay. And we figured out that getting up and down the giant 16-inch step for our teeny mm-hmm. tiny pony was really yeah. freaking him out because he found it physically uncomfortable. Yeah. So we got our trailer with a ramp. Good. Yes, and went out and I started, I took some advice. I started from the beginning. I went through all the exercises leading up to oh, loading as girl. if I had never done them before when we got the ramp. Yeah. Paid off in spades. Isn't that great? And now he'll when he comes over to the trailer and he sees the ramp open, he just walks right over there and steps right up onto the ramp and says, I got this. I know what to do with this thing. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's I so he, he just walks right up to it with complete confidence and strolls right up in. Now he's he's got a little claustrophobia going. So when he's in there, his little ears are twitching. Mm-hmm. So then we, we go through the exercises where we get in and out so he realizes he's not stuck, etc. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't look at the horse trailer as a challenge anymore. He looks at that as like, dang, no problem. Yeah, I can get this. I Don't you love watching that confidence build in your horse? It's, it's so much it's, fun. It's just so amazing to me how it will change between sessions. Yeah, they, A week or 10 yeah. days will go by, and I haven't done anything with the horse trailer. And then we'll walk past it one day, and the tailgate just happens to be down, or the ramp just happens <laughs> to be down out of sheer coincidence. And he's like, 
dang. And he puts a bead on it like it's a, like a horse oh. jumping. He puts a bead on it. He's like, I'm ready to do this. Are you ready? Fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. So what Jen's talking about too for, for the rest of you guys is that there are certain things that would be so great if everybody could get their horse used to before they ever even showed them a horse trailer. And that would be get a, a low bridge, something that sounds like you're walking on a ramp. So it could be just, you know, a little trail uh, course kind of bridge or and it doesn't have to be more big, than three inches of off plywood. the ground. Yeah. You can, oh, you big, can big get them at the, at, the home, exactly. at the home stores, the really thick pieces. They mm-hmm. come in different sizes. So you can get a smaller one so it fits in your smaller truck or vehicle. Right. Um, and that's what I, one of the things I used here was a big chunk of plywood. Perfect. Perfect. Because you just want to have that sound on their feet once they get, so then you start working with them. Now, you said that you use the dually halter. Now, a lot of people might go, oh, well, that's just what? Is that Monty's magic or what? No, it's got an action on it that twists and it's a patented thing so that no pain. Again, you know, you're introducing something that lets them intrinsically say, when it twists, I'm less comfortable. If I come off of it, I go forward and I'm happy. So they're teaching themselves this intrinsic learning. So now you've got a halter that says, please come forward, please come forward. Okay, you're forward. It's immediate gratification from there. You've got sound on your feet like wood, clop, clop, clop. And that, okay, that's going to sound like a ramp when they finally get there. You could even do a plastic tarp. Make sure you don't have ones with holes in it. They're going to get in their feet weird or anything. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. anything like that. What else did you do, Jen? What are some of the other steps you took? I Well, I, I went past the plywood and I found as many different surfaces as I could to ask him to step onto and back off of. Perfect. So he would step on, because he's always had a thing about different surfaces. So we would step onto concrete, wet concrete, concrete with funny shadows on it, um, it. tarps. We also went and made a tarp and made sort of a little enclosure with it. So he had to step into something that felt enclosed. Good, yeah. Um, Because he's fine with a stall. Hello, it's a stall. You walk through a doorway to a stall. Mm -hmm. But this enclosure, you have to step over a noisy object and get into what feels like an enclosure and then back over that funny sounding object again. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, and, I, and I paid very close attention uh, to the video of how to use the dually halter properly. Yeah. Because that, that was key. When I first got it, I hadn't watched the video yet and I wasn't mm-hmm. using it right. <laughs> I don't follow directions very well either. <laughs> I don't follow directions very well. I grew up in, in the age of put a chain on their nose, stand mm-hmm. facing them and walk towards them and give that sucker a big old yank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get My body language was all yeah. wrong. So yeah. he was having a hard time understanding what I meant. When I understood the body language and used it correctly, the light bulb came on very quickly. Congratulations. See, now a lot of people make the mistake of looking backward. And you want to hear the number one mistake. The number one is, well, make sure you have a long, 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 long line. And I like 30 feet. You know, if you mm-hmm. can do 20 feet, that's okay too. But um, the reason for that is... Whoever moves the feet first loses. <laughs> and I totally didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't understand that. But when yeah. I finally said, okay, I'm just going to get the longer rope and I'm just going to do that. I'm going to follow the directions. Yeah. Darn, oh, it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Because, you know, if they see you moving your feet, if they get to jerk you off your balance a little bit when they pull back, that's victory. In their minds, it just it's a, a little computer chip in there that goes, click. Okay, I get that. I can do, I can undo what she just did. So if you can just stand your ground, that's a horse thing, guys, you know, and and then let the horse come back off that dually again. He takes that first step back towards that trailer again. 
done. You're just, it's a matter of time now you're going to be on. And they are, you know, they're not den animals, but we do put them in stalls and things. If they've never been in anything before like that, an enclosure of any kind, which would be surprising. But if they hadn't, you could make a little hourglass out of panels, cattle panels or something. Absolutely. Have them go through a narrow area to an open area. You know, you could mm-hmm. you could even back off that incrementally. So, you know, the whole goal is to do exactly what you did, which was incrementally just start the whole learning process. And I love that. Very good. Yes, Yay. I was so proud of him. And I finally said, just you really need to follow it step by step. Pretend you don't know that. It's. I went through a similar process many years ago when I started riding with uh, Kim Walness, who is an an, an inventor, mm-hmm. and I did a riding, I did a clinic with her and I got home from that clinic and I felt like I had never ridden before <laughs> because it was a, it was a, um, a real 180 with so many fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And then once I said, okay, file, I'm just going to follow the instructions here. It all, you know, three months later, it's like, oh, I, I knew how to ride all along. I just didn't know how to ride as well as I should because I, I missed some of the basics. Mm-hmm. I know how to handle a horse. I missed some of those basics. They've changed. They're right now versus against the horse. Now they're with the horse. Yeah. So it all went through and it's like, yay. Yeah. And it's good for everybody to go back to those fundamentals every once in a while too, isn't it? I mean, this, mm-hmm. you know, leave the ego at the door and just say, you know, what's, uh, what's something I could work on with my horse that I haven't done in a long time. And it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. It really is. And it, and it, pay, it pays back. It does in spades and, and the relationship. But again, I'll mention the relationship too, because working through those things with your horse and they begin to trust you more, um, whether you've got, do you have in the front of your trailer, does it have a door for them to go through or is it just an in and out? Mine's an in and out. The front door is only people size. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, you know, maybe even opening that door in the front to give a little light, uh, a window or something through, because again, if they're really phobic about that dark Mm -hmm. hole, that you're being put in. There, there are other little tricks. Even, this is a weird one, but think about it. Facing the trailer opening, like your ramp side, away from the barn so that your horse is walking toward the barn. And even you want to escalate a little bit, put a horse between the barn and the trailer front. So again, they're walking to a horse instead of away. It's just little, you know, so you never know what little mental right. tricks you can help them one with. One of the but things we does. did when we first got the trailer, it was, it had been cleaned to within an inch of its life. So it smelled <laughs> funny. Oh, yeah. And one of the things we did when we first got the trailer and we first introduced Scooter to it, uh, I didn't want to have Beaker in there because I wanted to make the opening for him to walk in and out of as large as possible. Mm-hmm. So I just tied Beaker at the front of the trailer and hung his hay net. So Beaker's mm-hmm. head was kind of hanging inside that front people oh, door, munching yeah. and crunching on some really yummy hay. <laughs> so Scooter good. looked at that and said, well, it obviously smells funky, but Beaker doesn't care. So I don't <laughs> need to either. Yeah. Very good. That's awesome. All those things. I mean, that's just you know, helping your horse and, uh, and why not? Why not? That's right. Well, yeah. let's, let's, uh, let's get a, get, get a little message from IFA.com and uh, then we'll be joined by our first guest, our hall of famer. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of index fund advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts, willing partners, graduate. He's a sugar bear. <laughs> you know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. 
The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. From Bakersfield, California, native Ron Rawls was raised on a 50,000-acre ranch, and he spent 20 years helping run the operation, where he mostly moved cattle from horseback in steep, brushy terrain. He learned it all. He learned something from each one of those many horses that he rode on that family ranch, but he knew nothing about the show arena, which is just amazing. That all changed when Rawls went to visit his brother, the late equine veterinarian Van Snow, who a lot of people know. And he was introduced to Monty Roberts. Monty offered to establish him as a horse trainer if he would move to Solvang, California. He saw value in this guy, and he could really work around a horse. And Rawls jumped at the chance. He learned a lot, and in 1985, he qualified for the Snaffle Bit Fraternity Finals, beginning his steady climb to the ranks of the NRCHA's leading professionals, eventually winning two consecutive World's Greatest Horseman titles. Ron and his wife, Patty, live in Gainesville, Texas. Well, welcome, Ron Rawls, NRCHA Hall of Famer, and uh, one of our one of our dearest, closest family friends from way back. How are you today, Ron? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Do we catch you in Texas today? Well, I am in Texas. Well, I appreciate you taking out time. Have you been working some horses today? Uh, yes, all day. Yeah, that's what we're doing. All right. Well, we won't keep you long, but we are so excited to have you on this show. Dad's been talking about you a lot lately and, and how well uh, your son Philip is doing as well. And, and I, I wanted to get back into some of your roots because I think a lot of people think that this all, uh, all this stuff is just talent and happens by, you know, uh, gases or something. It's, it's not hard work and, and good ethics and you epitomize that. So, the first thing I wanted to know is, you know, you came to Monty and Flag is Up Farms with no formal competitive training with horses, but a long history with horses. Do you think that was a good thing, or, or was that a deficit? Well, I think it was. I think it was a deficit uh, for me because um, I was almost thirty years old when I got started doing this, and and had no idea about. Uh, the the competition part of it and and that sort of thing. So I mean, I think it was I think it was I think it made it a lot tougher for me mm-hmm. because it took years. Uh, learning how to train a horse was hard enough, and uh, but to me, learning how to show a horse uh, properly and and smoothly was very very difficult. And I think if I'd have grown up in that atmosphere more, it would have been a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, but you were a good hand. You were a good horseman to begin with, so you had good, good practicals. Yeah, we. I, I mean, I spent my whole life on a horse, so I mean that part of it was that helped. But uh, you know, I just I I feel like it took forever to to be able to learn how to show a horse and keep my nerves under control. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just wasn't a real natural spot to be in for me. 
Yeah, yeah. So what do you think, um, if dad was on the phone with us right now, and which I'd love, he's in the UK and, and couldn't get on, but what's the, what's the most important lesson that you think you picked up from him? Uh, you know, he, he taught me so many great things. My, my whole foundation of, of everything I do, believe it or not, is still totally Monty Roberts. I mean, oh. the, just the, the, the mechanics of, of, of a horse that he, he taught me the mechanics of a horse and how to keep all four corners up underneath them. And it's just, it all ties together, but my whole foundation that I still use is exactly what he taught me. Oh. So that's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm glad to hear it. It one good horseman to another. Uh, so you make this leap from Bakersfield to moving to the San Inez Valley and being put in charge of training a bunch of horses and without the competitive experience under your belt. How do you make that the next leap that goes to something that is so broad as winning the the horseman of the of the world because there are so many different aspects involved in that how do you think you got such a broad um education in herd work and rain work and steer stopping and cow work how did that all happen well a lot of that stuff we did on the ranch the uh, roping and and uh cutting to some degree like when you throw a bunch of cows together where you had to cut out the the, if there were strays, cut them out or cut out the fat, dry cows or or whatever. Or we ran three different irons in common, so every every cow and calf had to be paired up and, and you know, drove off and put mm-hmm. in a pen. But uh, a lot of it, I mean, it was, a lot of it just comes from the practical ranch work that, that, that I grew up doing. Okay. Um, uh, just like, like, Going and winning that world's greatest horseman deal, it's, uh, that just evolved. All the stuff Monty taught me and then just being in the show pen over and over and getting my butt kicked over and over and over, you just finally, <laughs> uh, you, you know, finally you learn enough to, you know, to develop the skills that it takes to do something, uh, that broad of a spectrum, you know, from cutting up to roping and the whole deal, you know, you just finally end up putting it together. Uh, I guess that's what happened for me. It happened for you anyway. Yeah. You can't, you can't actually second guess yourself on that stuff. So I guess maybe I'm hearing one of the more difficult things may have been to get your nerves or to get your breathing under control and, and in stepping into those things, it must've, you were making a living. And so the money mattered to you, whether you won these these events or not, how did you keep those nerves under control? I think just being hungry, you know, if you want to win, you better settle down and, and do, and do what you, so your horse can do the job you taught us to do at home. So mm-hmm. uh, having bills to pay, being hungry, wanting it bad enough. If you finally just, it, it makes you settle down. And so you can do your job in that show pen, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the industry getting, is it improving? Is it, it's, is it growing and and get is the horsemanship getting better? Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, it's growing and it's getting tougher and tougher every year. It's there. The it used to be when I started, if you went to the Snapple Bit Fraternity, 
time the preliminaries were over, you might you might say, well, there's three horses that could win this thing. Mm. Or there's two horses that could win this thing. Now you go to the Snapple Bit Fraternity, and uh, when they pick, when the finalists are picked, it's like there's a whole herd of them that could win it. It's mm. it, you know, there's so many good horses and uh, so many good horsemen. The, the 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 training has gotten better. It's just it's evolved into it's unbelievable how tough it is. Yeah, I agree. And the horses look great. The health and and training and is every is everything for those two. Um, I think one of your your most admirable accomplishments. I don't know as a, as a parent myself is having a, a son like Philip excel in in the same industry that you're in too. So, what kind of advice do you give a novice person starting out? Maybe I don't care what age they are these days. How would they start out? Well, if they have the, if they have horses in their background already, uh, assuming that they have horses in their background. Um, I think the most important thing somebody trying to start out can do is number one, do some research, find somebody whose style you like, watching their horses work and how they do things, a style that you like, and then they need to get hooked up with that person mm-hmm. and get lessons and stay on track that way, yeah. because it's just it's so it's so easy to get lost if you don't have some. If you don't have somebody helping you, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how people would do it without. Yeah, I mean, you're amazing. Think about that. Twenty years in in the saddle, and it wasn't until you you reached out that you uh, you could actually make your way in that. Did you ever imagine that you could have a dynasty in your lineage at this point? No, no, yeah. no, not at all. But. Uh, no, it's like when 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 I when when Monty offered me, he him and Pat, uh, they they totally set me up. They 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 took me in and did an, an enormous things for me for no particular reason. And uh, he told me if I moved over there, he would help me get started. Well, I had all my cows and stuff on the ranch, and I thought, and I told him, I said, well, why can't I do it where I'm at? And he and he. he he told me something that made perfect sense to me a little bit farther down the road. He says, because you won't ride any better than, than those who you ride around. Mm. So if I'd have stayed up there on that, on that ranch, I mean, I wouldn't have learned all the things that, that he taught me and, and, uh, just being involved directly in the industry that I learned, you know? So it was, uh, it, it was just a really, really good lesson that, that he gave me there when he told me you you, you you're not going to ride any better than those who you ride around. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It just it's it all, it all tied together so nice. Well, what you got now, Ron? What who are you riding now, and and what should we watch for when we watch you down the road? Well, I have a I only have two fraternity horses for this year, and one of them is is by a horse that, that Monty used to own. His name is Captain Knife. Mm-hmm. So I have one of his fillies that I like a lot, and hopefully hopefully, uh, we'll get some big things done this year. But it's, it's, uh, it's by Captain Knife, who, who Monty owned for many years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's terrific. And, and I saw you dabbled a little bit in training a, a barrel racer, Michelle McLeod. Um, that, that was pretty fun to watch it, the NFR. 
Yeah, Michelle has been, I don't know, she's been riding with me, I don't know, a couple of years, I guess. And um, I don't, Michelle knows, she's a very, very good barrel racer and a very good horseman, but she comes here and and we're working on on her horsemanship and, and some technique and uh, just different things that helps her. She's already a very accomplished, obviously, barrel racer, but... So we're working on her technique and her and her and her riding and that sort of thing. And it's been a lot of fun That's helping fun. her because she's she does so well. Well, you do everything in a big way. That's it's fun to watch your career run. We're really we're really pleased to uh, have had you on the radio here today, and uh, it's just an honor. Well, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Thank you, thank you. Well, say hello to the family for me. I will. Okay. All right. Thanks for being on. Um, we're really excited because Sean's Omega Fields company has done something amazing for one of our test horses. His name is Cadillac. And we felt so strongly about it that um, we definitely wanted to bring him on as a sponsor of Horsemanship Radio. And we wanted you to know that it came in that um, order first is that we were so impressed with this product and with this horse's results that we wanted to have him a part of our um, our monthly shows. What is it about the Omega Fields product? Something's different. Omega Fields uh, was built around a really um, unique and proprietary technology. Flaxseed has been known for a long time to contain rich source of omega-3 fatty acids along with omega-6 and omega-9 fatty acids in in a near-perfect balance, but historically there was a problem using it. It's high in fat, and when it was uh, milled into a feed product or a food product, it it would go rancid very quickly, so our company had developed a proprietary technology for stabilizing this high-fat flaxseed to make it usable, uh, give it a long shelf life in a natural uh, environment. We don't use any chemicals or additives to extend the shelf life or anything like that. It's a completely natural process. That's what makes our flax really different. Um, It makes it usable. It makes it nutritious over a long period of time. We guarantee an 18-month shelf life so consumers can use it with confidence without it going rancid that, you know, would potentially harm the horse. So quality of manufacture, every single thing in that uh, product, Omega Horse Shine, is food grade. It's made at a food grade facility with great care of product quality. Uh, The stabilization technology makes that Omega-3 nutritional value locked in and usable for a long period of time. So proof is in the pudding, so to speak, that it, it really works. You'll see dramatic results in a fairly short period of time. Denise discovered her passion for horses at a very early age, and she started to ride when she was five years old. She got on her own horse when she was 13, and she still owns that same horse today. After competing or after completing a school for foreign languages and interpretation, she went traveling and spent some time in different Western trainers with different Western trainers in Canada and Austria and Germany. And since 2006, Denise Heinlein has followed Monty's methods and has been working and learning from Monty himself and different certified instructors at the Monty Roberts International Learning Center and in Germany, Portugal, Netherlands, and England. After teaching classes and courses in Germany and getting a lot of experience in the thoroughbred industry, she's now working and teaching 
as the head instructor at the Monty Roberts International Learning Center in California. Her assistant, Jenny Allrith, served passengers at high altitudes for nine years. She was a stewardess, but she decided to make a change in her career. And horses for that for several years had been just a wonderful hobby, but she started to make them her main thing in life. And the passion to work with remedial horses and youngsters in a nonviolent way took her to Flag Is Up Farms in October 2009. After this, an extended two years adventure in Romania took place working at a ranch with a huge variety of horses. And Jenny was introduced to Monty's concepts in Finland. And now she is helping change the world there to become a better place for horses and for people, too. Well, welcome. We have Jenny Alvarez from Finland, and we have Denise Heinlein from Germany, but now located at the Monty Roberts International Learning Center. And actually, that's where we're recording from, is from your classroom, Denise, right? Yeah, that's true. Something different than the usual classroom talk. Yeah, that's right. We don't usually have a microphone in front of you. <laughs> that's true. It makes me a little bit nervous. Oh, <laughs> More nervous than like uh, having 10 people uh, looking at me. In a classroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you'll forget about it in a second. But we've got Jenny who's just off a trip from, well, you're originally from Finland. Yes, I'm originally from Finland. And now, just some days ago, I got here from first from Brazil and then from Uruguay. And so the tan that you're sporting is from both of those destinations. Both of those. <laughs> not she, Finland. <laughs> yeah, not Finland. She is definitely a sun seeker and our, our instructors tend to be a little uh, a little fleet of foot and they do make their rounds and it's it's nice. They get to go visit with other instructors and and um, practice your skill sets, you know, with different horses and different in different places, but mostly it's nice and sunny and you kind of follow the sun with you, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's wonderful to have you both here today. And the reason we, we pulled you all together is because we've been watching a bit of a trend in, in horsemanship with some of the young people, but, you know, some of us who have been around horses for a while, too, about groundwork. And when I say that sometimes around equestrian centers, there's a bit of a audible groan <laughs> from some of these kids who are like, oh, do we have to do groundwork? And why is it important? And what does it really accomplish? Is it just to make well-mannered horses? Or is it just to torture us because we can't ride today? Or, you know, so I was hoping that you might give us, share a little bit about why you think, if you think it's important for kids to uh, do some foundational groundwork, what that does for them and what it does for the horse. And then what happens when they finally get to go jumping, which is what they really wanted to do all along anyway. So we'll start with, let's start with Jenny and um, we'd love to hear some of your perspective and then we'll get to Denise with that. I mean, groundwork is, it's, of course, it's a really important tool when it comes to, first of all, get to know your horse and, and get that trust and get, get the partnership going really nicely. And some things, I mean, if you can't really get some things to work from the ground, then you really know that it's going to be also for sure problem later on in the riding, riding um, work. And, and I mean, groundwork, yes, you can do a lot. You can do a lot. You, know, you can have a lot of fun and, and it builds really, really those basic boundaries with the horse. But also if you think about like normal people who maybe go for riding lessons somewhere already to, to you know, get to get to know your horse properly in the stable when you groom and brush the horse and and already to have that short part when you lead the horse from the stable all the way to the riding arena or the indoor arena to do it in a nice 
nice way and already have the boundary set there and, and the nice way of doing it, it, it sets you up for such much easier riding lesson when you start to jump up on the horse and really, really do the riding itself. So it's, it's something that everybody definitely would, would benefit a lot from. Okay. So maybe, Denise, you could lead us in a little bit of the conversation. Of what do I mean by groundwork? What is, I heard a little bit about grooming, a little bit about leading, but maybe a broader definition um, might add something to this. Well, uh, I mean, what we do here in the uh, school, we teach a lot of, basically, we, all our classes are on, uh, based on groundwork because uh, to have the ability to read and understand the horse who you are actually then uh, uh, want to have fun with, it is like really like the key of uh, having fun is to understand each other. So it's not only like a one way and then you got frustrated if you can't really understand what the other part of your like um, fun moment has to like say or maybe you don't even realize that the other part doesn't have fun at the moment. Uh, so it, I think um, all this groundwork is based on uh, understanding horses and also understand kind of the rules what they have in nature and I mean for a horse it's not natural to have a rider on at all so I mean to uh, start from the groundwork which is maybe a little bit easier to understand to get this kind of partnership to then uh, um, have like this trust-based relationship with the horses who allow you to uh, go on, jump on towards their back and do all this fun since what we consider fun with them to jump around and so on. But we have to be careful that we also understand enough that we make sure or like everybody should have uh, that kind of, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm missing that word, but uh, the, they should be careful about uh, that they know when it is fun altogether, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. then you get like this really joy out of it. Instead of just like uh, doing like maybe riding for sports or so, which mm -hmm. is great. Mm -hmm. And it will be so much nicer if you really have that kind of um, relationship and fun, as you say. Yeah. So I know one of the first things you teach is join up. And people are just getting on to that, I think, in a lot of ways, being able to define what that means and what that is. Jenny, maybe you want to tell a little bit about maybe the uh, sort of the quintessential piece of groundwork that that you do here yeah i mean join up join up is a beautiful tool to start the whole conversation with to really you know allow the horse to communicate back to you and it's it's definitely a two-way communication there so we're not we're not confining the horse in any way we're letting the horse be a horse and really communicate back to us in a nice way and and it really sets nicely the whole whole conversation and the whole you know partnership with the horse and we really we really there, you know, try to, to get the horse to, to become a herd of two with us. But as important as the join-up is, of course, is also you know, the duly work, for instance, that we do with the horse and, and to lead the horse nicely and teach the horse to nicely come off pressure and be with us and, and be in all kind of normal situations with us mm -hmm. as well. Why, did, why does that work? Why, why does the duly work um, extend from your groundwork, do you think? How does how does it do that? It just sounds like you threw a halter on, and you know, and it's just yeah. Maybe we have to explain that that the dually halter is created by Monty as a training tool, 
So it just helps uh, to place pressure and like the release of pressure a little bit more precise. Mm. So it is like an instrument where we kind of say yes and no to the horse in a gentle way. So it's like designed to not cause pain. And therefore we can just back up our body language. Mm -hmm. So I mean for us uh, it is quite... Well, you have to have a lot of presence to be really a, a natural leader, mm -hmm. you know, and to just have that um, in you takes a lot of practice. But that's the whole, uh, like, deal with the horses. It's really mm -hmm. hard to kind of uh, mm -hmm. fake it if you are not really secure or something. But therefore, we kind of, I mean, in the world, in the horse riding world, everybody is using some kind of tools to try to, like tell their horses uh, what we want of them because everything what we ask our horses to do is not very natural to them. I mean, you know, to like kind of back up through an L shape, which is a wonderful uh, yeah, tool. Yeah, like cavalities on the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So have something on the ground and you like ask your horse backwards to go through it on demand. I don't know if that mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. the right well, word. Even asking them to yeah. do that is, I, I see what you're saying, is unnatural really for them to go backwards. But at the same time, I mean, when you have a horse who's willingly doing all that and is going through with you and you've been a good successful leader, didn't bring them in any difficult um, situation, they didn't step on the post, so they completely trusted you through that one kind of little exercise and that's already kind of adding to a nice partnership and it mm -hmm creates also some like a stimuli towards the horse's mind you know so for all different tasks what we are asking them and that's just like one tiny little thing you can do to understand how you can maybe position the horse's head so the whole body can follow and all those little tiny things are helpful for then the riding as well because then if you pull on that side and you want your horse to go over there but uh, physically it's just not capable so you need to have um, that knowledge first that you can be really um, doing it on, on horseback then also really uh, properly. Okay. So there's trust. You, yeah. I think you're, you're conveying trust in, that, in those comments about how you're working with your horse. So he's trusting you to step backwards, not step on the pole if you're directing correctly. And, everything. and that's a fun game. Do you get your students involved in, I don't want to call it a game because it's exercises. It's really discipline, but it's fun if they're trusting you. Definitely. It's really fun and it's really important. Plus what it also brings, it's, I mean, it's really good gymnastics for the horse, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit like Pilates, bending through and, mm -hmm. and doing things. So it, it has a lot of benefits there, definitely. And we do some fun things too. We, I mean, we have something what we call a herding exercise where we group people together and we give them a little bit of a parkour or like an obstacle course. And we ask them to, uh, with the body language and intention to, uh, to be able to guide your horse through that and really be the leader to, uh, and that is like a lot of fun because. <laughs> I mean, most of the time it doesn't really go so as, uh, as planned. We, we wish it would, <laughs> but it always it's such a wonderful learning tool where you be just able to kind of see how horses react when they are not uh, like on a lead rope or they are loose. You know, you They're can loose. just like so you're in a small pen, like a hundred by a hundred feet, something oh, like that. Yeah, but it's not very big. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. What are some of the obstacles that the horse is being herded? And they have to go, for example, um, uh, like weave through 
cones uh -huh. mm -hmm. yeah. and then uh, we need to stop them in a circle and all different kinds of things. So, I mean, yeah. we, uh, we kind of try to uh, mix it up sometimes a little bit and it depends how the advanced the students are. But this is like, You know, just to know how you can uh, control or influence a horse just with your own presence and where you're standing and how much it means to a horse if you look at them or how your shoulders are turning. And all those little miscommunications with, uh, like totally happening every day, almost everywhere, because people are just not really aware of it without even meaning to uh, like miss message to their horse mm -hmm. but they are just not aware of it and then it kind of creates a little bit of misunderstanding and where misunderstanding is you can't not always be a hundred percent trustful so and then you're not like a, a, a good trustworthy leader and that if you are that on the ground that automatically transfers uh, up on the horseback because why would the horse trust you not like when you be with him on the ground, but then suddenly when you're up on his back, it's, um, I mean, they are so extremely intelligent that they know um, it's like the same person and so on. So the better your relationship on the ground and your more knowledge you have about your horse's um, yeah, natural behavior, mm -hmm. the better you'll be mm -hmm. a rider, of course. Yeah, that makes good sense. That makes good sense. So if if I'm listening to this and I feel like maybe I'm kind of small for my horse, you mm -hmm. know, if I've got a big horse and I'm a fairly small person and I don't feel like I have presence like you're describing, I I don't have that demeanor, how can I gain that? What, what would help me be more present with my horse? And I'm just dealing with the, what I've got, a 17-hand horse and I'm 5'2 or something. What would I do? learn about horse behavior and how they naturally are. So the more you know, the more you can be safe around them. And okay. the more you are safe and you trust yourself that you know what you're doing, the more you can kind of uh, be true in it, you know. Mm -hmm. And the more you are true in it, the more you have the presence. Confidence. Confidence, yeah. yeah. Okay. And it's shoulders square. It's knowing where my body needs to be. It's the respect of the horse through his ground manner training, all those things, yeah? Yeah, all those things. And, I mean, there it's the same concept. So, I mean, it's always about the whole picture. Mm -hmm. and, and, like, being with the horse and understanding the horse and, like, really um, be sure about how my body is influencing the relationship, and that makes fun. I mean, it is mm -hmm. just incredible and um, satisfying if you're coming on towards the... A field and you, you a horse is over the other end and you just look at them, get the intention just like this and then you turn your shoulder and they come to you all the way. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is like based on this trust and understanding how the horses are and you can influence them with your own body and the groundwork, of course, mm -hmm. because they are um, hierarchy. I mean, horses, you know, uh, yes. you yeah. have to be um, knowing that you have to be kind of the leader yes. of your group of two horses that uh, because in our world i mean it's not the horse's word you know they don't know what traffic means they don't know what um, this and this and this danger means so we are having the responsibility to guide them safe through our world mm -hmm. 
And therefore, it's our responsibility to learn as much as we can about their natural behavior, what that means when we are interacting with them. And the groundwork, yes, there are so many fun things you can do with your horse to kind of see when they start to synchronize with your body, you know, and really pay attention to it and how soft and little you need for these big animals. And they are so extremely sensitive that it is like a pleasure to find that, you know, this yeah. kind of bond. Yes. So I'm seeing a, a trend, and I'm thinking this as you're describing that, of people being on their cell phone or texting or and not being completely present with their horses. Is that, can you, is that possible to do and still keep your horse in a, you know, are you still the leader of the horse when you're on a cell phone and, and not present with the horse? Or is he... Is he allowing you? Yeah. What do you think? I think there should absolutely be the same rules as us. I mean, we have in Finland, at least with driving a car. I mean, you're not allowed to have your phone, read text messages, anything, even talking on a phone. You should do so that you, you know, can keep your both hands and your mind as focused as possible on, on what you're really doing. So I absolutely, I mean, that's my warmest regards to everybody that yeah. keep your phone in your pocket as long as you, you but that's, are that's a safety issue is there a leadership are you giving up some leadership do you think when you're you know texting and not being present with yours because i'm i'm listening to a beautiful description of being president present builds, <laughs> builds your, <laughs> i'm taking over by the way it is an election year but uh, of being present with your horse and that creates that leadership because as you said your body language is telling him that he can trust you. He can trust you to be his leader. And that gives you that confidence and gives him confidence. Am I, am I right on that? He trusts you because you're mm-hmm. got leadership qualities. Do you, do you give up those leadership qualities when you're not paying attention? I, I would say if, if you really, really have it in your muscle memory, you know, and you're like, um, you're, you've done it so many times that you don't really have to think about every little thing. Okay. And you could maybe do it, but you are taking away from yourself. You know, I mean, from that moment being together with an animal, it would be just a shame if you're going to like text all the time around, you know, it just takes away that um, joy and beautiness. (laughs) I don't know if that is a word. You just made it. But I made it up. um, (laughs) Of like exactly that what, why it is so magical to be mm-hmm. with horses, you know, because mm-hmm. you forget everything else. You are being in that moment, you and the horse, and ideally you're having fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it gets a little bit it's frustrated work. and yeah. it's work and you have to re- be really like uh, looking what you're do- doing and kind of aware, mm-hmm. you know, so that sometimes i mean you we are just two different species so it happens that we are getting into a little bit of miscommunication there mm-hmm. even if we really try hard to understand what what they need but i mean as you said you can just be aware of moments like this or also of the beautiful moments if you are there present at that second you know i mean there are so many more you can do the phone stuff like any other yeah when you're driving in the car yeah. No, <laughs> for instance, no. For instance, and even if you have, I mean, if you if you are and you have a conversation with the horse, and then suddenly you start to you know play with your phone or or do stuff like that, and if the horse is asking you a questions, you might still have the leadership there, yes, and so. But the answer from your side for sure will always have a tiny, tiny bit of delay. Mm-hmm. 
a little bit annoying for the horse if you know it just gets cut up and same as having a conversation with a person who is a little bit on the phone yes you might have the conversation but it's not that fluent as it would be if the if the focus would be completely on on the person or the horse in this case yeah beautiful well i anyway would recommend to text less talk more Absolutely. <laughs> Talk to your horse more. <laughs> and yeah. also to people and friends and yeah. I'm I'm yeah. really I'm I'm the person I'm just like maybe old school or maybe I'm old. <laughs> no. <And> no <laughs> not yet, no really not mm. yet. But I mean it it just takes so much away. You know, it's yeah. easy to get text but like to really uh talk to your friends and so on, it just makes uh more fun. Yeah, good. Well thank you. I mean I think this has been a a great study in groundwork and why we need it and why we shouldn't groan about it, but also how fun it makes the conclusion to what you really set out to do with your horse that day. And so I'm hearing invest your time in that, in that trust and that language with your horse and then invest in his discipline as well. And you'll have a good relationship with your horse and stay off your cell phone. Yeah, yes. exactly. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> the hidden uh, <laughs> advice. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, thanks for joining us today on Horsemanship Radio. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place in mind. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, what do you do with a mare that pins her ears back when you feed her? Monty's answer. This is a phenomenon that is best described as territorial. Horses, like many other species, tend to protect their food. It is a response of survival. Horses that become aggressive in the stable at feeding time should never be fed this way. Instead, one should take the horse away from the stable, put the feed in the stall, and then return the horse to his or her box stall or corral with the feed already in place. Once the horse is in the stable and eating, one should respect the animal by leaving it alone. If you follow this recommendation for a sustained period of time, it is likely that this undesirable behavior will subside. If you continue bringing the feed to the animal's quarters, this aggressive behavior could escalate to a level that is extremely dangerous. Also, be sure to use the piece of good horsemanship, which requires us, when taking a horse into its box, always to turn the horse's head towards the door and release the horse only when one is at the door and the horse is fully in the loose box. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts. And I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. In the wide, wide world of sports, is it going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? 
Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in Denmark. On April 9th, he'll be in Willemsborg, and then he hops over to Germany April 24, 23, and April 30th, he'll be in Germany. Then he goes to Austria May 5th and May 7th, he'll have demonstration events there, ticketed. And then he goes to Johannesburg. South Africa, May 28 and 29, and then just took a short hop to Cape Town, South Africa on June 4th and 5th. Then he's back in California for July, July 17 through 21. He has a special training session uh, with translation in Portuguese, August 1 through 5, Monty's special training. That's a famous one at Flag is Up Farms. And then August 22 through 2nd of September, he will have his 2016 Gentling Wild Horses course at Flag is Up Farms. Woohoo! Yeah. And you can get all of that and so much more at the website MontyRoberts.com. And you can also go old school and talk to a real pleasant human being who knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. You can call Monty Roberts at 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, go to the website, horsemanshipradio.com, where we will have links to today's guests, some really cool pictures, and information about the guests. And we love to hear your feedback, so just go to Monty Roberts on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Monty Roberts, and we'd love to hear from you there. And Monty Roberts is a tweeter. That's right. Mm-hmm. He's on Twitter. You can find him at Monty underscore Roberts. That's There it. we go. <laughs> And to get the app, go to the Horse Radio Network on iTunes and Android. And many thanks to our sponsors, IFA.com, Omega Fields, and Monty's Equus Online University. Be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. And until next time, have many happy horse hours. 